All right, guys. Well, we are now recording. It's August the 20th, uh, and we welcome you back for this session. I believe this is session 14, and uh, we are dealing with reboot, navigating reboot, and regathering. We've, uh, we've hit some bumps in the road with spiking cases, and uh, we've even had COVID hit some of our churches that are represented here with the panelists. We do welcome back uh, Tanea Metters today, uh, who's our, our resident doc in all things medical. <laughs> And uh, she's going to be here to answer any of your questions. Uh, we, we had an interesting discussion. Uh, and Tim, even as you were coming on here uh, a little bit behind us this time, uh, we, you know, Jace is going to be sharing this a little bit, but there's a lot more coming out right now about what the facts are versus the hysteria and the hype and the spin. And uh, we're going to share a resource with you. Uh, thank you, Jason, about that. So you can kind of Jason, why don't you, uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just tell us, share with everybody what you just shared with us that you ran across and what you're sharing with us, and we'll get the link to everybody, and then Tim, we'll just, we'll just go straight to you, and you can comment and, and take it from there. Jason, what were you sharing? Probably the uh, most, good to be back with you guys, the most helpful piece of, I guess, rational thinking in this, uh, as far as that I've seen, Franklin Templeton. Uh, financial advisors, major investment firm. They let they release something to their stakeholders. Uh, they release something to their stakeholders in the midst of this that's really forecasting and predicting. So you, there's a couple of things. This is not biased toward, um, you know, not written fr from a, a Christian blog. This is not written from a left-wing blog. This is a financial advisor. Franklin Templeton, and, and the, the stats, and Scott, Scott's going to share it, are fascinating based on based on CDC numbers, not made up numbers, CDC numbers. Franklin Templeton had an internal doctor, if you would, a medical advisor, probably like Tanea, somebody like that, that just spent a month or two in the research uh, of what's actually going on as far as cases and things like that. And what you'll find if you read the article they'll post it is the disparity between what people believe and what's actually the numbers could not be wilder. So it gets into where uh, you, you know, and I can pull it up or I'll give you a couple of examples in a second, but really gives, it gets to uh, at the heart of it. Um, you know, there people believe that, you know, half the COVID death rate has, uh, they're like believe this is survey has been 60 and uh, under. No, 92% of people who have passed have been 80 or older. When you get into what CDC is giving us, what CDC is giving us, that mm -hmm. the rate, and, and so just a lot of this, because again, as Georgia schools reopened, and I don't, I'm not the guy who ever gets political, CNN leads with seven-year-old dies as Georgia schools reopened. And you're just going, come on, man. You know, at some point in this whole deal. And so it's Franklin Temple to Financial Advisors, and what it does is by graphs and charts, all it does is just give you as a pastor and a leader, I'm not stuff to preach, not stuff to push out there. This is us just going, this is reason data based on what people believe about this and what the actual statistics are based on the CDC, because Lord knows we've all learned that lane the last six months, CDC, uh, based on the CDC, what their numbers are. It's fascinating. And so I think for me as a leader, Scott, I think the thing that was a reminder, and I've passed it around to a few guys. Jeremy and I talked about it. I just sent it to you guys. We're 
and, and this is coming from a guy who just did a funeral on Friday of a guy in our church who passed away from COVID-19. So there's, so no doubt there are all of us, and many of you guys know Stacy Dyer. I was on a call with him last week. He lost his worship leader. So there's nobody saying this isn't real. But I think what it reminded me, Tim, Scott, so much of what we're doing right now is dealing with emotion, and you can't reason with emotion. That's the one thing I've written down. You can't really reason with emotion. And I'm, I don't really think this is the time to try to reason with emotion. But what the Lord's reminded me of as a shepherd, we have to lead, lead through the emotion. You got to lead through it. You can't reason with people in this. Uh, and so uh, that was just helpful. I just saw I posted the link. Hopefully you guys will, you can read that. And again, it's fascinating. It gives you the factors of why the hysteria is. Again, all based on surveys, numbers, and data. Uh, again, from a financial advisor, they sent this to their investment, their, their, their investors, letting them know their projections and why things are the way they are and the discrepancy between what's actually the number saying and what people are really believing. As that, I think that's a great word. Jason, and very helpful. I've been looking through it as you've been talking. It's interesting information. And I think it's in some ways, we all knew that. Yes. You know, you know, we kind of know that, but we don't have anything to support it other than a feeling, you know? Agreed. And, 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 or if we do, Tim, it's coming from a, our bias that we want to hear. Yeah, exactly. So if I'm like, this is why I'm going to go and find a bias I want to hear, you know, and, or, and that's the thing in this. That was just when I came across this. Uh, and, and I've just spent some time in it. And I, I was with uh, one of the Compassion International, you and a big nonprofit guy. They were here with me yesterday. Uh, and his wife's a doctor. And he texted me last night. He goes, this is the most profound thing. Nobody's putting this stuff out. And so, again, financial advisor, this is internal research, and they released it. But it's, it really is staggering when you realize, no doubt, COVID-19 is here to stay. It's real. Uh, we're going to get better with it. We're going to learn more about it. But there is the discrepancy between what people believe about the virus and the ramifications and what the data actually says could not be further from the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're right. I think people are deriving a lot of what they feel about it and their reaction to it just from general news media who obviously they have all of them have an angle they're supporting. Sure. So, and they're, and they're promoting it. And sure. so it is good. That's one of the reasons why I think in our discussion, it's good to have today on here too, just talk about, okay, where are we at right now, even in Georgia? And what are, what are the real numbers look like? Tanea, you want to give us kind of quick update? Sure. Sure. And thank you for sharing that, Jason. I love finding, um, you know, my background is research and development in medicine. So R and D research, you're, you can find research to support anything, guys. They do research for every agenda and every strategic alignment there is. So finding a non-biased audience is really difficult. And there's a very small amount of trusted resources that I go to. And in this pandemic, that has become even smaller. So what a great resource. Thank you for sharing that. Um, our numbers in Georgia, man, we're making all kinds of news everywhere, aren't we? Um, but it's not doom and gloom. Our hospitalizations are actually down 18.8% since our peak on July 30th. So we're not seeing that anywhere in the news. But if you go back to the data that we have via the CDC, go take that with a grain of salt. But the data that we have, we're down 18.8%. And we've been back in school in a few districts 
for over a week now. So I see that as glory, guys. I see that as a, a, a beautiful thing to be praised. And I'm echoing what Jason just said. This is not going anywhere, but we can take a deep breath and understand this is our Esther moment. It is what it is. And how do we lead through it? Um, we're still sitting, we're trending a little higher um, than the nation. If you look at per 100,000 positive test, but understand, we went over this last week, positive test. If I get a positive test and then I go back in five days and retest and I'm positive again, it's counted as an additional case. It's not just Tanea had two positive tests, one person with two tests. It's two specific cases. Now I'm one case. So that'll skew your numbers statistically significantly. And that's happening. So just take that all into consideration. You have to understand your denominator and statistics out of what? How many positive cases out of how many people? And you never can find that number. It's really difficult to locate. So all in all, Georgia's in a really good place. CDC did just come down with some new guidelines shortening the quarantine period from 14 days to 10. I see that as positive as well. We're learning more about the virus. The more people that get it, the more ideology we can take from it and understand its incidence and spread better. So that's a huge plus. Um, that's a big deal for a lot of pastors that I am consulting with because it doesn't mean you're missing two Sundays, right? When we go from 14 to 10, that helps out um, a ton. And, and, and we want to be able to, you know, best serve you and make sure that we're following those recommended guidelines, but not in hysteria. Um, so those are all good news. And, and Jason's right. If you dig it down into the death rate, um, we're still hugely grossly sided 80 plus for mortality rate. And we're still under that of seasonal flu. So today, I, I, um, that's all that's really good news, I think. And I, one thing Jason said that is so true, it's difficult to argue, argue rationally with, with, with emotion. I mean, it's, it's impossible to do and actually make any headway but in the midst of this we still have to lead based on what we know to be fact and we have to lead well in our churches and and, and um so part of that is even precautions we do need to take reasonably with what's going on so what what are you still suggesting like what we talk about our gatherings what are you suggesting for our church and churches and pastors as they regathers they have large group times or life groups sunday school that kind of thing Sure. So across our um, entire region, across the whole state, everyone's doing this a little bit different, but something that I love, it makes my job so much easier, and I promise it will make yours easier too, is if you do a registration. That's huge. That's huge. I just think it's being a good steward. You know who's in your building. You know your crowd control. If there is that app, you know, if there is an incident where there's exposure, your trace surveillance is that much more easy. So if you're feasible to be able to do registration, it's a great preventative measure just in preparation. As far as people themselves, obviously we're still encouraging social distancing. It does work. And we're still encouraging good hand hygiene and avoiding the handshaking, avoiding passing an offering plate, avoiding um, passed out communion, doing the things that are single serve make the most sense. Um, people have strong feelings about face coverings and masks. I'll let my personal bias stay where they are. Um, but if somebody is respectfully comfortable wearing a face um, covering, then that's great. And if somebody's not, maybe you have two venues. Maybe somebody who wants to not wear face coverings can go to one place and just social distance. And people that want to wear them can be 
you know, in another place. But if you say we respectfully ask that you wear face coverings, certainly that's what the CDC guidelines are encouraging. Um, to redefine what exposure is, a first degree exposure means I've been with somebody who has COVID-19 unmasked less than six feet apart for more than 15 minutes. If I've done all those things, that's direct exposure. If I walk past somebody without a mask on and I said, hey to them, and it's a 30 second thing, that is not a direct exposure. So that's important to know. The CDC has defined that pretty well. The only time that changes um, is specific in singing. We do know that in singing, you're using your diaphragm and it can push things further than six feet. But as long as you're social distancing within your sanctuaries, um, we, I have not seen from any of our associations major spread that way. I would love to say in our church that when we have worship time, that everybody sings, so it was probably more dangerous. But the truth is, even when there's a non-COVID time, everybody's not singing anyway. But it is good to know that that you know that we need to take precautions in that. You know, one um, thing, Stephen, I know you had some. You know, you've walked through this with your family, still walking through it with your family, but also in your church family. Um, you gonna give us an update on? on What's going yeah, on there? This, this past Sunday, uh, last Monday, my wife was exposed, and we didn't really let that out of the bag until Sunday morning, just because, honestly, uh, between our school and our church, everybody's been so gracious, and we just, you know, we just needed a little bit of space. Uh, mm -hmm. Just people, have, the church was being the church, and we're grateful for that, but we also didn't want to push the panic button for people. And so Sunday, I preached live here, but we actually ran a hard line, hard cable, and a uh, a camera outside. I preached from a garden uh, outside of our church. And so I was able to be on campus, but not in the room because of my extended exposure, obviously, to my wife. Uh, yesterday, what Tim is making reference to, I believe, is that our children's pastor tested positive. Uh, and so what we had to do real quick is to come up with a plan and to think through, all right, we also don't want to push the panic button, but as shepherds, we have the responsibility, if we love our people, to communicate that with the people that he crossed paths with on Sunday morning. And so we actually kicked off back live with groups and kids and everything Sunday morning. So we went through all the families using KidShack, called those families that would have been exposed to our, our children's pastor and his teaching, but also the, the families of the kids that were in his two children's preschool classroom. And what we found, uh, four staff members called every family. What we found is people were very grateful. They were very thankful, but they also were not unbelievably worried. Uh, they, they were grateful that we personally called out. It wasn't just a text or an email, but that we loved and respected them enough to let them know. And I was wondering last night as we would have groups on campus, how that would affect our students were up. We had good representation in our children. Our adult classes were good. And actually uh, just on campus personal, just having a, a more people on campus. And so, um, you know, I, I think, I think what Jason's saying is right. I can't wait to read this article. I appreciate you making that uh, possible for us to look at is that um, we, you know, you just have to move forward and you have to make the best decision possible using wisdom, but God also gave us intellect. And there's a reason why scripture talks about a seeking wise counsel and uh, just not just uh, jumping to, to emotional decisions and, and rationale based off of what news uh, outlet that we're watching. Yeah, that's good. That's a good word. And, and it, it is good to hear, too, that there's a positive way through 
this even when someone in leadership does test positive or COVID and you have to just deal with the issues that are and continue to move forward wisely and carefully and that people are responding well. Um, so that's really good to hear. Yeah, I shared last week our um, Griffin campus pastor tested positive. He, we didn't have service on campus Sunday, but he had to call everybody he had been in contact with on Sunday and all the people he had talked to. And one of the positive things, takeaways for me from that, we had a long conversation about it, um, everybody he talked to, nobody was panicking. Um, even, even a family that had visited Sunday um, for the first time, had a long conversation with him after the service. They were even like, hey, we get it. It's not, you know, when the, when the yeah, I know we're not going to have service on, we'll view it online this week. We'll be back the next week. We're good. We, we understand. So um, I think that's the good sign. People are beginning to, um, I think, deal with a little bit, or at least um, most people are beginning to deal with a little bit better. There are still those that aren't coming because they're hesitant. I think we need to be careful, and I'd love to get you guys uh, input. Joel, you might can jump in on this too, for the people that are in our congregations that feel, whether they feel like they're more vulnerable for some previous health reason, pre-existing condition, or they're, they're caring for a parent or grandparent in their home, or they're, you know, they've got a child that's got issues, so they, or, or they just feel like, man, I just can't, I can't get over all that I'm hearing on the news and I'm, I'm just not ready to come back. You know, just how we um, communicate with them and not feel like um, we're being judgmental of them either for making the choice. I'm gonna view online, I'm still gonna be there when, when this settles down, I'm coming back. Um, how, how are you guys handling that group in your church and dealing with that group in yeah, particular? Uh, hey Tim, the, um, you know, I, I, I don't know if you saw this morning, but James Emery White, Mecklenburg Bible, has, they've canceled all their services for the rest of the year. Uh, mm. They haven't had any, and so they're going online. And I said to my XP, Daniel, when I got here, I said, it's almost like the people who haven't ventured out yet and started, they're still living in a bubble of fear, even pastors to some degree, because all the worries he expressed. Say that again, Joel. Say it for the people in the back <laughs> of the row, brother. Say that again. All the people who have not ventured out yet are still living in a bubble of fear because mm -hmm. all of the issues he said, oh, if this happens, oh, if that, they've already happened. Like we've already had it. I've got a dozen families that COVID has gone through in our church. The vast majority are asymptomatic. They found out they were positive, having to get a test to go do something. And they had not breathed heavily. They had not I mean, nothing, zero symptoms. They questioned whether the test was legitimate or not. Now, I, again, now I have a 70-year-old in a hospital who, who has it, and she's not been to church. Like, she's, she's one of the ones that hasn't even been here. And, and so if you've not ventured out to have church, all those fears we had back at the 1st of June, you still have them like, oh, gosh, what if somebody gets it? Hey, everybody's getting it. It's the world we live in. Everybody's getting it. But I think for those members who have not come back, by and large, they're still living in that bubble. Like you notice those that haven't come back, they're not going to do anything that's not necessary. Mm -hmm. either. So you know mm -hmm. what? I'm good with that. Like we celebrate you watching online. What we've experienced is we're up to about 900 people coming every Sunday now, which is slightly more than half of our audience. And really we have about, we think we have 12 to 1300, 1400 coming. They're just in their, you know, their shift. And so we have a vast majority who are coming for sure. Um, 
and there's still you know several hundred that aren't and they're not going anywhere we don't care we have grown our online audience has grown our church every week we have first-time guests who found us online so you know what watch us online we're pushing online church right now we love it we celebrate it yet to fuss at one person for not coming in person that's your personal decision eventually they're going to miss it because it is not the same but we're willing to ride the wave uh, of letting them get over their fear us continue to have church. Hey, if you're watching CNN and social media, that Templeton article said, you're very misinformed. If, if And so I, like I've turned the news off and I feel better. I'm not keeping up with COVID. I don't care. It is what it is. Hey, it doesn't matter if COVID's going on or not. If you turn the news off, you're going to feel better. I feel better. I feel better. I, look, I, I, I had to get off Twitter. Like not, I didn't shut it down. I just got tired of looking at it. Uh, I just, I'm done. Well, my question and to that point, and I will say this gently and humbly and pointed, um, is it leadership to sit on your hands and wait this thing out? Or is it leadership to try to wade your way through it? I don't know which one is, you know what I mean? I think it's just going at some point, the idea, I think Joel nailed it that, and I think, I mean, today I can speak to this a little bit. I mean, I do think the, thing that I think is interesting is the contact tracing conversation. So everybody in my community is doing literally everything. Publix is packed. Target is packed. Chick-fil-A is packed. Uh, And so somehow we're going to trace it back to the church when you're doing everything else. The ball field's packed. I got a Christian school packed. Uh, so I just think it's the, 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 the kind of, Joel, what you're saying is like, at what point, I mean, so we're going to be 100% sure. And again, one of our financial advice, one of our financial assistants in our financial department, we sent her home yesterday because the girl who keeps her baby got COVID, said you're home for 10 days. We, you know, we're following all the rules. Yep. But at some point when there is an outbreak, I just think it's interesting in this conversation how we're like picking and choosing where, oh, it could have been there. Well, yeah, I mean, come on. You know what I mean? That's just now that I don't, I don't get it. So today you can feel, you can speak to that, but I just think it's an interesting conversation that somehow we're all supposed to go, oh, we can go all the way back to that one. And I think we're living in fear that it could be traced back to us when if it is, it is, you know what I'm saying? So if, if you go sit in traffic, things appear to be normal. Like and you're in your car at a red light, you're looking around and, and like, there's nobody at home. I mean, everybody's doing everything they always did before. So why are we living in fear? Yeah, I think, Joel, I think it's kind of twofold too. Um, number one, there is a great number of people that are kind of shackled to the fear train about all this. But I also think that this is exposing cultural Christianity in, in the American church like nothing else probably could have. I read this Say past week. Say it to the room. <laughs> I, I read this past week, uh, and, and you guys probably came up with it. I don't know. But they said, some of you are worried about wearing a mask to church, and there's a lot of people that have been wearing masks to church for decades. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of what Tom Rainer was saying is just when, if the dust settles, when the dust settles, prayerfully, that, you know, that 20 to 30% down is probably going to be normal because the, the nominal attender um, they're, they're gone. It already wasn't a good habit for them to be an active member, giving, serving member of the local church. And so those people are probably never coming back. 
And, and that's just kind of the reality that we're in. But I, I think, like I said, it has a lot to do with fear, but I think it also has to do with the state of the heart because there is, there's kind of a, a pruning, you know, uh, sheep and goats kind of a thing here as well. And I, and I don't say that judgmentally, but just looking at this over weeks and weeks and weeks and talking to you and other several pastors in our state and around, they're, they're seeing the exact same thing. Well, Jonathan Hancock said, the masses believe that, that COVID-19 can only be caught at church. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and then, and then you, now you've got a 20% of folks that at least can say they believe it <laughs> and use it as an excuse. Well, you know, in, in the midst of this, and, and Jason made the comment about leading through, how do you lead through and being passive about it? Are you really leading? No, you're not really leading when you're, if you're being passive about it. Um, but obviously we've got to see reality for what it really is. That's the hard part, given all that's going on today. And that's why this article, I think, does help us a little bit with that. What is the reality? You also have to see the reality that's happening in the lives of the people that you're dealing with. So, I think on the on the downside, um, in one way, and Steve had, um, just mentioned this, there are some people that were loosely connected to the church, came here once in a while, and they, they're not there now, and, and they're not making big plans to come back. I think on the flip side, one thing I've heard and seen, I, I'd love to get you guys' take on this, but I think there are a lot of believers. I've just had a conversation with them yesterday and said, man, I, you know, we've, we've been back for about three weeks. They're, they're, there's nothing like being present with the body of Christ. I mean, this is who we are. We're committed to this. And there, there's been a rejuvenation in their heart of hunger for God, hunger to be his church in the world, and a hunger for the gospel. And I'm, I'm seeing that in some people's lives, which is a good thing. I don't, I don't know if you guys are seeing that at all or not, but it's just interesting when you have those conversations, you see someone walking through this season as a believer and then realizing even in, in a greater way um, their desire for Christ to be his church, to impact the world with the gospel and the ministry. And, and those are, those are some encouraging conversations in the midst of this. Yeah. What, what would be some of that, that you're, you're, you guys are seeing in the church in terms of, have you seen a shift in, uh, at a discipleship level in your church over the last three months? Have, are you seeing more hunger? Are you seeing guys, uh, families appreciate certain things about church more than they used to? I mean, any kind of notable shifts around discipleship in your church? So yeah. I don't think we're there yet. We're, I mean, we're still doing church a lot to some degree, which we're kind of simple church format anyway. But I'm doing everything I can to protect the integrity of Sunday morning still. So we're no Wednesday night activities, no children's activities on Wednesday night still. We've shut that down. Of course, we launched with children's ministries on Sunday morning. We're doing youth we're doing youth meetings now on Wednesday nights, but we're breaking it up more. So we had just middle schoolers. We had 100 middle schoolers this past Wednesday night here, and so we're doing that. We've noticed our singing on Sunday morning. Ms. Matters mentioned the singing. You know, nobody, people aren't singing. Like, we're still not there yet when it comes to a group. You know, people are still – there's still a nervousness. So as far as a breakout spiritually, we are not there yet. We're starting to get traction and momentum. But there's still a little bit of fear – or fear is probably a strong word, anxiety associated with, oh, you walk in my building and I've got a couple of services that we reduced capacity by 50%, but now we're at 80% capacity in the services. So, I mean, we can't social distance. It's not possible. I, I'm not in good enough physical shape to preach the number of services it would require for me to, 
you know, to social. Hey, distance. I talked to you about that, you know. I'm, I'm we, try, I've, hey, I've lost 32 pounds, Tim, since you talked to me. That's about great. It. So I'm, that's I'm getting great. That. I'm getting out of you. But it, I had to preach 12 times on Sundays. You know, <laughs> I, I just, that's not going to happen. So, I mean, there's still a little anxiety over sure. that. Mm -hmm. I'm waiting for the time when we can start adding pieces back. And again, we're a very simple church anyway. I mean, we, we don't do a lot, right? you know, so, but there are a couple of components we want to add back that are discipleship. I think the evangelism has been great. We have people come to Christ every week. Um, but some of those discipleship components like small groups and, and, you know, Wednesday night Bible studies, those kind of things that we dismissed, uh, during all this, I'm still trying to protect the integrity of Sunday morning and not willing to risk the integrity of Sunday morning for a Wednesday night Bible study in person quite yet. Yeah. You know, I would say, yeah. We're letting school, the hysteria of school starting. I mean, the funniest thing, and, and again, today to talk about, but that photo of the first week of school, was it Polk? Who, who was it? Alden County. Alden County. And as if every student in that picture was dying tomorrow over COVID. I mean, like that, come on, is that news? Some, some kids Instagram post, is that news? Is that what we are talking oh, about? Yeah. So we needed that hysteria to die down when schools start back and realize all the first graders aren't going to die from it, you know, immediately. And by the way, every death has been tragic. I, I firmly believe that. Like I'm not, I'm also shocked when somebody dies of the flu and we hear about that every year as well. And this is similar in my mind. I'm, and again, I'm not equating the two together. I'm just saying tragic by every death, but we need school starting to die down a little bit because here's yeah. we seem to have these waves of, for me, for the college football to cancel seasons is just the height of hysteria, uh, you know, and so we've got to ride some of this wave a little bit. And just yeah, I agree, and um, I think you know I see Richard here. I do think I hear what he's saying. Mm -hmm. I don't. I think we have more than half of our audience still watching online. Uh, we I think all of us know that we're in a season where Joel, Stephen, you at your church, whoever, is there probably a reality that more people will watch you online for the next X that'll be in a room. Uh, we have people with underlying conditions that aren't back and that have every good reason not to be back. And we would encourage that in this season. I have no problem with any of that. I think the the conversation about the hysteria is, is that how do you lead through that? It's all we're talking about. How do you? When I see Richard's comment, I get it. I do. Uh, when I say spirit of fear at home. There are people we encourage to stay home. If you have yeah. symptoms, if you have underlying conditions, if you're 80 or older, we celebrate you staying home. You shouldn't be going anywhere. Like we're, yeah. we're good with that. Oh yeah, and in fact, we did a uh, box. We're doing a box called Bethlehem, where we're sending to uh, all our. So we did like our kids ministry put together a box with four weeks of everything we're doing on Sundays in kids ministry. And you literally, all you got to do is say we want it. And so we had sixty. We had a couple of hundred families sign up. Sixty-five percent of those families that signed up have not even been back to service yet. We did a Discover Bethlehem, a newcomers gathering, our first one online Sunday. Uh, and uh, we, more than half of the people who attended, started attending online and have not yet been to our physical gatherings. Uh, have not yet to have been. We'll baptize 22 this weekend. 10 of those gave their life to Christ uh, in the lockdown. Uh, in the quarantines. We're baptizing 22 this weekend across our campuses. So yes to the 
Uh, there's you, There should be zero guilting or strong arming at all. I do think we need to continually push against churches. Netflix, which is the idea that I can watch it whenever. Uh, that's called being a consumer. I think if you are home, we need to continually lead people together with your family and worship together as a family. Um, yeah, I do think uh, I, I would say that. So, yeah, absolutely. I think the, the conversation on what Joel's saying on fear uh, is more of what's real and what is people hyped emotionally thinking that and how do you lead through that or do you just kind of hopefully one day it all goes away. I think we're all just trying to learn how to lead through that. For us, the discipleship, Tim, to kind of speak, um, we, did, we do semester-based groups. We started sign-ups this weekend, this mm -hmm. last weekend. We've never had more people sign up in uh, a weekend than we did this weekend. And I think it's because the desire for relationship. And obviously, we're doing some Zoom groups. We're doing some in-person groups and we're doing, you know, kind of our recovery groups. So there's all, you can choose what works for you. A lot of our older families are empty. Uh, it depends on the age and bracket. We've got, um, you know, a desire for community and growth. Uh, I agree with Joel in worship. I mean, we, we're a pretty loud and wild group in worship at Bethlehem Church normally. Uh, it has it has taken us, uh, you can tell people have tapped the brakes and they're still trying to get comfortable being back in a room. Yeah, exactly. That's okay. Yeah, I, I mean, that is real. I think um, I'm seeing it pop up. You're somebody's, I don't know if I, my internet connection's unstable, somebody's is, but in the midst of this, I think that the, the the uh, the struggle is, I mean, it's still real. We got a group of people at home that are trying to stay connected. We got people that are coming on campus ready to move forward. And 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 you know, one of the things that I've had a multiple conversations with pastors over the last two weeks is them feeling the pressure between those two groups. Some wanting to move forward even further, and some wanting to hold the reins. And they, man, I can't make anybody happy, and and I can't can't get us together. And I think at this period of time, we just have to realize that's just reality. You still have to lead in the midst of that. Yep. And you just, you're gonna have to figure out how to make it work. Um, well, and you're not alone in it. Everybody's dealing with it. Yeah. I, I'd Go. say this is uh, now my internet connection's unstable. So, uh, I'd say this too, for those of us who had pretty good online streaming capabilities, it's a different yeah. conversation than if you didn't have really good online streaming capabilities. So we yeah. can put together a really good online service. And so for people who can't and struggle with that, I get it. The conversation's framed a lot differently for those. Yep. That's very true. And that's, and some of our guys, that's true. Where their church is, it's just, they don't have good internet connection and they've got to do something else. And, and, um, you know, one guy has to, has to film them somewhere else um, and then have service on Sunday. So he films the same message and has to air it at 11 on Sunday so that those are staying home. That's just how he has to do it. But, you know, every situation is a little bit different. And uh, man, we'd love to help anybody that needs help trying to figure out what to do and how to, how to manage both for a longer period of time. It's just reality. It's probably going to go on for a little bit. Um, and, but keep, keep pushing forward. And I, one thing I, I was so encouraging when Jason said baptize in 22, I've, I've said the entire time and I still believe this, this is a great opportunity to continue to share 
the gospel of Jesus. Um, a lot of people are tuning in just to hear something that's encouraging and helpful. They don't even understand the gospel. And so you make it clear, Jesus still saves, he transforms lives, and um, we don't need to underestimate the power of the gospel in the midst of a COVID crisis or um, a general election in our country. And there's all the other stuff that's going on yeah. too. So um, man, keep holding out the gospel. Like nothing will excite your church and rally them together to see people come to know Jesus. Um, so I would say still be faithful in the midst of that. Um, I do think it'll be interesting. I think uh, the other thing I think in this to kind of go back to as you're watching people's behavioral patterns and different parts of the country, I think it's interesting how people are picking and choosing what they're comfortable doing. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I'm just going to leave that out there. It's yeah. very interesting. And uh, I'll let that, that ride. And I think it goes back to Stephen's comment um, on cultural Christianity. I read a line uh, that said basically five months into the digital church, a third of the five months into the digital church experiment because we had to a third of the church is gone it's never coming back because they were never really a part of us i don't that may be extreme uh but i do think there is a faithful remnant that you always see in scripture where revival and renewal happen i think oftentimes tim i know me and i can say this i'm a large i have a larger church a lot of times, and Joel's, he's worked with a lot of churches with NAM throughout the years, there's this idea that revival comes with full rooms. Uh, and I think a lot of times revival comes um, uh, from a remnant where there's a faithful remnant with passion and God brings a new renewal into them and then people. I do think that's part of, and Lord knows they got a Christian school, so I know cultural Christianity like the back of my hand. Um, you know, we go to school and pay for Jesus. And so I get it. Uh, and so I think there's just that reality that we're all dealing in this season and what the end result of all this is. I don't, that, that'll be the interesting thing, man. I just think what Stephen said is uh, the, the remnant that God raises up and the renewal that God is doing. Uh, because think about the only people preaching, there's nothing else saying any words of hope at all right now. Nothing. Mm -hmm. It's not out there. Biden's yeah. not giving you hope. Trump's not giving you hope. You know, it's kind of like which one of your, which one are you less fearful? That's kind of really the choice. You know, um, you know, a lot of the things we put uh, hope in, uh, and so I think that's just the unique opportunity in this season, kind of Tim to what you're saying is that just keep hope, 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 Jesus cross gospel hope. You know, Jason, I think you know. I mean. It, it wouldn't be a good Baptist Zoom if we didn't alliterate to some extent, but I think you're exactly right. And history has proven that revival comes in uh, unlikely places with unlikely people at unlikely times. But the, the elephant in the room that we've not really talked about is that pastors in general are pretty insecure people. And, and we all of us wrestle with insecurities. And so we want revival, but what we also want is recognition. And when we have full rooms and we have multiple services, then that validates us, not just in our own hearts, but around our, our peers and in our community and in our church. And so healthy things do grow, but not all things that grow are healthy. And so I think that, that we, we have to look at it like, like we're talking about, just that God could be using this to do something new and quite possibly on the backside of this, 
our church could be healthier than it's ever been. I had lunch with a pastor of a larger church in our area not long ago. Actually, some of our members have gone there. And that's not why we had lunch. But um, he made this comment. He said, we're larger than we've ever been, but I don't think we're healthier than we've ever been. Yeah. You know, that's why I was saying, I think what some of the good news is in some of the conversations I've had with a few people and, and you can hear in their voice and in what they're sharing, they've had a, a beginnings of a revival in their own heart. They have a hunger for God's word, a more hunger for God's people, the hunger to be the church, a hunger to know the Lord even more uh, and to study his word. And, and I've seen that. I mean, it, I haven't seen it widespread, you know, but in those personal conversations with, you know, young couple in their twenties that just, man, just have a hunger that they didn't have before this all started. And I, and it's, you can see it growing in them. And then, you know, yesterday I was just talking to one of our guys in his forties and he was talking about what God's been doing in his family in the midst of this and how his heart's just desiring to be um, more faithful and, and see God work in a greater new and new way. So I think what you're saying in a sense is it, um, revival may not be, um, may not come in the version that we're thinking, you know, packed well, house Sunday yeah. night through Wednesday night, different preachers and all the people come, but I'm seeing in some people's lives how God is at work. And those are powerful stories to me that are encouraging. I think one of the things we've tried, and I try to do the last, uh, uh, the last two months for our staff and even our church, is I think you do kind of have to reset the scorecard. You know, um, I think there's just got to be a resetting in this season, not the scorecard. I want to see baptisms. You know, I want to see people saved. I want to see life change. I want to see. So there was, we did a whole uh, teaching and I'll send it to you, Scott. You can send it out on resetting the scorecard in this season. The faithful gatherings are greater than full rooms. You know what I mean? Then inviting people into communities more, it may be more important this season than inviting people into a building. You know what I'm saying? How do you, what, what, what are, you know, and so I just think that's been, there is a lot to the resetting of what Tim, uh, what, what Steven said. I'll be honest with you, Scott uh, and Tim and guys on here who are seminary guys. I do think our ecclesiology is being exposed in this. Mm. At the end of the day, you want to use a big seminary word and I'll do it. It sounds smart today. Uh, our, that ultimately, what's your theology of the church? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that is, is, is being going. I think there's a, I would say God has used this to purify my ecclesiology. What about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, we all would have answered the question correctly, but our, but our reaction to this gave our true definition of what we thought it was. If, if that makes sense. And I think the emotional roller coaster we've been on has been a purifying. We're going, wait a second, wait a second. You know, yeah. because the end of the day, uh, yeah, it's just been that's, you know, what's the Lord done? There's just been a renewing and a, a just kind of going, wait a second, we can't miss what our ecclesiology is. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's been the thing I've really tried to encourage guys because I know if you're reading out there in pop culture uh, blog world uh, with Christian consultants um, that know how to do our job and, and are, are glad to help us uh, do it. Uh, appreciate them. Okay. Um, uh, but I always come back to these guys, the digital, 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 digital is the new norm. It can't be based on our ecclesiology. No, no. Based on our, it's all that. but 
yes, is the digital. I look. I tell everybody the digital is here to stay, and will And so the what you and I, Joel, would think of as our lobby, the first impression. All of us know that's all online. Yeah. Everything online is the. I mean, nobody is ever. You know, but I do think the idea that if you don't understand the new norm is digital, you you the church is analog in a digital world. That that's ridiculous and has an agenda just like the news has. <laughs> yeah, well, and I would say you have to realize now digital is the front door, specifically online. It was social media before this, and now it's more online streaming. Yeah, absolutely. And so we've embraced it. And I would say this, Jason, we all took a gut punch that first two weeks to a month. None of us knew what we were doing. I mean, we, we didn't know what the future held. But I think now, man, by and large, we've seen pastors roll up their sleeves and, and like, hey, we're going to get through this. And speaking of ecclesiology, I'll say this, not a political statement at all, but thank God for our governor, man. We, we live in a blessed state with our governor, and this is not who you should vote for. It's not anything. But there are other states that you've seen on the news who are um, micromanaging this process to a ridiculous degree. And I appreciate our governor who basically said, and I heard him say it when I was down there for the prayer day, hey, we trust Georgians to make good decisions. You know what? Thank you for treating me like I'm an adult a little bit and, and can make a good decision because I want the best thing for me too. And I want the best thing for my members too. And we've been blessed. Um, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been good to be in the state of Georgia uh, during this time because there are other states we could have been in and we'd have to hire attorneys at this point. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I think a lot of people have watched the John MacArthur issue out there in California and learned a lot from it. We've learned vicariously, you know, I, because who knows, you know, when that may come down where we have to take a, a stand based on uh, scripture and ecclesiology. And I, I think one of the best things I heard him say through all that is, uh, you know, our church is essential because while people may or may not get COVID, nobody escapes death. And we're proclaiming every Sunday how to stay out of hell yeah. <laughs> through the gospel of Jesus. So that, that's kind of clarifying, I think, you know, yeah. for all of us. And uh, we didn't have to live in California to learn, a le learn the lesson. No. no. I read a line from Dallas Willard this morning. You guys will remember that name, Dallas Willard. Mm -hmm. uh, the kingdom of God is never in trouble. Neither are there people in it. It's just a good word, man. The kingdom of God is never, you know, Dallas could just say these things. You're like, dang, why couldn't? So simple, but so profound. The kingdom of God is never in trouble. Neither are the people in it. Love that. I just think that's the reality the Lord's brought me back to in this time and just going, hey, man, I want to lead Bethlehem Church and lead the church, capital C Church at large as pastors. The kingdom of God is never in trouble. Yeah. And neither are the people in it. Yeah. Uh, the 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 fallout of this, and I do think the ramifications, repercussions, and fallout of this will not be a virus that we never get a hold of, but emotional, spiritual, relational damage and wreckage uh, of people's lives because what this has done. Uh, and so I just think that positions the church even greater to be a voice. Basically, you got two you got two options in this. You know, self-help or self-distraction or come you come to your senses about what's really going on inside. A lot of people doing the self-help deal. A lot of people doing the numbing and distraction deal. I think for us, we get to go the answers outside of us, uh, and it's not in us. And so – Well, I, and you said this, Jason, and I, I'll 
post after this. New York Times just reported the greatest digital revenue they've ever had in their history during COVID. You can bet the next time there's a new strain of flu, which happens every year that we just, we, we survive through it, the newest strain of flu that we'll get next year will be the death of all deaths when it comes through this season because there are people making a lot of money from this. 100%. And so this is not the last time we're going to deal with this. Like I read an article yesterday morning. I was I saw it, and I didn't read it. I was like, oh, my gosh. We, you know, COVID-2, a twin virus may be on the horizon or what. Wait, Joel, are you, are you implying that some of this is agenda or financial I, driven? I, is that what? I, I would never do such a thing. I'm just letting you know. This is not the end of it, is all I'm saying. Yeah, they, they've learned that there's a lucrative angle on the pandemic effect. How can yep. we create, recreate yep. the pan, another pandemic effect uh, to, to increase our coffers a little bit, a little more? And I, I think the, that's the, the, the balance in this is finding confidence in the, in the midst of no certainty, but walking humbly. And so I say to our church every week, we're taking it a week at a time. There may be a week where you are not meeting because we had an outbreak, but we, we anticipate that too. Like, yeah, and so it's like, yeah, we got online, but um, you know, for most, you just sit there and go, if we can gather and we can do it reasonably, where our rooms are less than half full, um, you know, we do registration. Uh, people who rocking babies wear a mask. Uh, you're, we encourage you to wear a mask. Um, not many people do, but we encourage it, you know, but you got to know the area I'm in. There was kind of an anti-establishment area out here anyway. And so uh, we encourage them. And, you know, uh, I think you you can do everything you can do and just take it a week at a time, kind of that. And if you got to shut down for a week to kind of give everything room or it happens, the world doesn't end. And you're back, you know, I think that's what you're doing. But not, but I think the, my lesson in this or that I'm learning is just to wait and Scott, there's there's larger churches down toward Atlanta that still do this, which is fine. I'm not in their shoes. If I had fifty thousand people, I'd get to it just to wait that we're gonna wake up in January and okay, you know, green light, everybody go. It's back to normal. I just don't see that happening. So here's what I suspect: we'll never get a green light. Never. No. We'll never get a green light. So. Now, what are my options? Because I think if you're pushing people to January, which so many churches are doing. What do you think is going to happen in January? Like, they're not coming out and say, thank you very much. It's over. We're now shutting down COVID news, and y'all go back. Merry Christmas. Go. No, 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 no. Yeah. I'll, I'll piggyback. There are two things there. And um, so scientifically speaking, you can never mitigate your risk to zero. Let there be freedom in that. We can't mitigate our risk to zero returning to work, going to the gas station, dropping your kid off at a ball game having a, a neighbor exchange words, the mailbox, you cannot mitigate your risk yeah. to zero. That's not on you as pastors. Mm. That's not on you. What's on you is to continue to be led by the Holy spirit and do right by your congregation. Nothing's changed on that. You're getting your direction from where you've always got your direction. CDC is interpretive guidelines. Guidelines are to be implemented as needed. Yeah. So we're using good wisdom here. But you can never mitigate your risk to zero. And then Jason nailed it. Be pliable. Don't have a hardcore concrete plan that you decide, I'm, this is what our elder board, does. we will not deviate. I'm encouraging you to be pliable because it's going to change from day to day. And medicine has always been driven by a revenue source, not mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit. So it absolutely will change day to day.
Last, last week we talked about the the breaking uh, Senate bill and putting the warning signs up, and I'm, we're already seeing them. I, we went to a Chick Fil A over the weekend, and bam, warning, and then there it is, the whole statement. Uh, did you guys post that last Sunday? Are you going to use that going forward? What kind of a response are you getting from your folks? So we posted it. It took with inch letters. It took up three sheets of paper on a door, you know, because we didn't have time to get it professionally printed. You know, we've got it professionally printed this week, but we had a greeter hold the door open the entire time because that's, I don't want the first thing you see on my property to be the word warning. It, it's, you know, I mean, it's there, it's there, it can be visible, but it's at our main interest, which a greeter has to hold that door open. It's a main interest because we're not letting people touch doors, you know, so, we, it's a, it's a. So, so you're saying it was on the door, and then you kept him open, it so it was facing it, it, that way the whole it, time. Oh, yeah. Just saying it's up. We did exactly what we were said to do. It's up, and we, we're having them professionally printed this week, uh, and we're going to put them on some extra doors. But those doors are held open. If I'm required to put it at an entrance, we're, we're holding the doors open. Uh, if you know, if we understood what we were supposed to do, we did it. You know, that was a good catch too um, on that you know, it was just buried within that bill and we'd really, nobody had brought it to our attention. Um, and so it was really good, good catch to post it. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, man, our lives rest in the hands of the Lord and we've got to trust him. Just do what's wise, get like we did at the very beginning and seek the, the wisdom and leadership that comes from the Holy Spirit. Listen to your congregation, listen to medical and government experts, and then you, you make the best decision you can and lead in your church and your congregation with our, our faith grounded in the gospel. One thing, one thing I want to get back to is something that Stephen said, and I'd like you guys to comment before we wrap up, and that is on this kind of crisis of identity for some pastors. I've, we've, I've heard that because they're not preaching to their congregations like they used to. They don't have interactions like they used to, and it I certainly understand the challenge for, particularly for guys, if you're in a single staff church. And so Monday through Friday or whenever you're at the church working, you're working by yourself. And then you go on Sunday and, you know, 20 or 30% of your people are showing up. And um, so um, I've been reading Colossians every day. And at the end of Colossians, you know, Paul says, you know, say to Archippus, See that you fulfill the ministry that you received in the Lord. And um, I think it'd be good to just talk a minute about just your own identity in Christ and as a, as a pastor and a leader um, that we shouldn't, I know, it, I know it's hard not to do this, but we shouldn't have a crisis of identity just because things are different. Yep. Yep. Um, so what do you guys say to that? I want, I'll, just, I'll say something. I'll mute. Um, hey, I'm going to do a shameless plug. I started a podcast called The Evangelism Podcast. That's all it's about, it's evangelism. Find it on iTunes, you'll find it. There's three episodes up. The Evangelism Podcast? How like creative is that? Down the street that says, we are the gospel church. That's exactly right. The okay. Evangelism. Not a Evangelism Podcast. The, the Evangelism Podcast. There are no all, right. all we're talking about is evangelism. The third, the second episode I did was, I, I, there was an article Chuck Lawless wrote last year called The 15 Different Kinds of Pastors, right? Uh, one was a scholarly pastor, two was kind of the chaplain pastor, you know, the, 
the hospitality pastor, you know, find yourself in the pastorate. There were two of them on there that I said COVID exposed during this time that really weren't options. They were necessary. The evangelistic pastor and the leader pastor. He'd kind of lump those in. You're one or these 15 or maybe you have a couple traits, but here's what I'm saying. During this, you know what we've discovered? You have to be a leader and you have to figure out how to do evangelism or you're going to lose your church. Both those things will cost you to lose your church. So I encourage you to go listen to the podcast where I talk about it. Of all the identities we had, Tim, I think most of us went into ministry, a lot of us, at least me. I walked down an aisle on a Sunday night in a church service and announced my call to preach. I wanted to preach, right? And I get into the pastorate and I figure out what's going to get me fired is not my preaching, probably. It's my lack of leadership ability in my first church. And during COVID, we found out, hey, you may have been a, you know, you may have been pastoral care, you may have been a scholar, you may have been one of these other things. Go, I linked it in the show notes, so go listen to my podcast. You, you, you'll find it fascinating. It's a great little article kind of got. But hey, you got to be a leader, man. You have got to be a leader. You are, as Peter said, an under-shepherd in the church. You have got to be a shepherd and lead your flock. And if you don't do evangelism, uh, you'll lose your church during this time. And so I think when we start looking at our identities, we have to re-identify as, hey, I got to figure out how to be a better leader, and I got to figure out how to reach people with the gospel. Because if not, uh, in a situation like this, I could lose it. Well, I, I, and, that, and you're exactly right on that. One of the questions I have is this. A lot of, those, a lot of guys who are struggling with that, I have an unsettled soul because of all this. And so my question is, so how do you settle? How, how has God been teaching you, working in your life to, to settle your own soul in the midst of this, according to you, who you are in Christ and your calling to serve as a pastor? Sorry, I unsettled instead of settled. My bad team. <laughs> no, it's all right. Uh, so your doctor will give you a pill that will really help you. No, I'm just that. <laughs> Tim, I think, I think for a lot of guys is that, you know, we preach ab about being settled and complacent and how people park in the same spots. They generally mm -hmm. sit in the same places in their small groups and in our worship center. Like as pastors, I can look out and tell you when a family's not here because they're not within a right. seat or two mm -hmm. of that area. But what it's is, is exposed in us is that we also, the very things that we call out in people, we're guilty of. We mm -hmm. like ritual. We, we like uh, reliability and, and being able to kind of predict these things. And so the, the idea that this has challenged our ecclesiology earlier is 100% is spot on in all of us. And so I think not only do we need to preach the gospel to ourselves and remind ourselves, but each day, but we have to understand that the mission of God and the call of God and the purpose of God continues on no matter what's happening. I remember as a kid going fishing with uh, my dad and it was raining. He said, come on, we're going to go fishing. I said, dad, it's raining. And he says, Stephen, fish are always wet. What happens above the surface doesn't bother them at all. They're still going to bite. And so for us, whether we are mostly online, all online, or have a hybrid of the two, we have a smaller group, a smaller choir, kids are meeting, kids are not meeting. The fact of the matter is, is that God has still called us to lead and shepherd. You know, probably five to 8% of what pastors actually do is preaching. Most people think 
that what we do is 95% on Sunday mornings from the platform. But and if we don't do that well, it obviously affects our ability to lead and shepherd and, and bring about Holy Spirit inspired change. But I think just realizing as we preach the gospel to ourselves, that we are not defined by how many people we have or don't have. I mean, some of the most faithful men of God and servants of God, women of God, will never be on a podcast, will never write a book, will never be, you know, draw a large crowd. And so just just sticking with the stuff is so important. The last Wednesday night I preached at a, uh, we, an African-American pastor's friend of mine, and they're doing revival. I love it. It's a, little, it's a small, uh, and he called me, and they they went to this church before we went to pastor, and he's like, Pastor, will you come up and preach? He's like, he called me and said, Pastor, if you're not, if you're comfortable, would you come up and preach? And I'm like, come on, man, I'm comfortable. Uh, and I think what the, this is a guy who drives a Pepsi truck during the day and preaches at night at church. He's probably going to be way in front of the line in heaven of me. Yep. And I think the reminder is, you, you guys, I would just encourage you. We were all called to this, and the best thing you can be for your church is the best you. God called. God doesn't hold Jason Britt accountable for somebody else's call. God holds Jason Britt accountable for Jason's call. So, God, so I think in this season, what I would – the shepherd word Stephen said is that uh, I think the, the hardest part in this is not – having all the answers, but just staying consistently present. You staying consistently present. Uh, and so I think, T- Tim, uh, the word, <clears throat> I think I forget where it was, but what's the most important thing I can do in this season as a leader and for my soul is whatever I need to do to stay encouraged. I yeah. can't control discouragement, but I can control where I'm finding my source of encouragement and the people that I'm hearing from. I, you know, I missed you guys for two weeks. I was in Montana suffering for the Lord one week. And then last week I had something else. And by suffering for the Lord, I mean, fly fishing and playing golf. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, And then by the way, in Montana, nobody's freaked out about a COVID, but that's for free. There's only 10 Um, people there. Oh man, there's more cows (laughs) and deers and horses than than people. Uh, But, you know, I just think that, that, that whatever, you need to do to stay encouraged um, and we can control what we're doing in our soul to stay encouraged. So, uh, you know, I think that the shepherding piece in this, uh, Joel or Stephen one said really well, um, we all think our preaching is what uh, moves the needle in this season. It is only in our leadership, you know, our leadership. Don't get me wrong. Preaching matters. That's what called us to do. But and by leading, being present and consistently taking steps forward. You just be present and consistently take steps forward. That's it. Whatever forward means. Forward may mean uh, personal phone calls. Forward may mean, you know, a service on a weekend. Forward may mean restarting Sunday school, restarting whatever the next step is to help your church keep moving forward. But I just think whatever you got to do, to how, what for my soul, I can't. I can't control what discourages me, Tim, and there's a lot that discourages me right now. I can't, but I can't, I can't stop that. What I can control, though, is the, 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 my source in places that I'm putting myself and people I'm putting around when I'm getting encouragement. I'm getting encouragement, and I can't look over my shoulder at somebody else's calling. I've got to be faithful to the calling I'm at, where I'm at, uh, and so that's just been my thing. Whatever I got to do to stay encouraged, I got to do it. You know, uh, you know, I heard Peter Lord say one time that when we got saved, God retrofitted us to run on Grace Hall 
and there's only one dispenser of grace hall in the universe and that's Jesus. And so daily at his feet is where we get yep. filled and, and we're reminded of our identity, that our identity is not in our church, our ministry, our preaching or anything else, but, but in that and, and stay encouraged first by Christ. And then I love how it comes up repeatedly, Jason, that you and, you and uh, Morton talk a lot. I know Joel and I talk a lot and I think all of us have people that we ping through the week that just kind of keep us encouraged, bring out the best in us, remind us of good things. Scott, I have a call key. at two huh? o'clock today. I have a call today at two o'clock today. Don't tell anybody with another pastor. He's outside the denomination. Forgive me. Um, but he's in a larger setting. And just because this guy, all not to ask, he just encourages my soul. And I set it up at two o'clock. I just like, I got to call this guy just because it helps me to have a different perspective. And we don't necessarily talk about shop. We talk more about soul stuff. And so that's what I mean. What you're saying is putting yourself in places to be encouraged. You've got to be intentionally about it. You don't have to be intentional about being discouraged. That's easy. You've got to be intentional about getting your place uh, around people that encourage you. Yeah. Default is discouragement. And then you got to be proactive. My mentor is 77, 15 minutes with him is better than three hours of, you know, sermons, you know, on, but here's another little thing just to think about you guys as you're still cruising through uh, COVID and it brings this up leadership, how much leadership uh, teaching, training, uh, book reading. I mean, what, how much ingestion ingesting of leadership principles on a weekly basis are you doing? Now's a good time to brush up on that. It's been a while since you've taken in a podcast or, or read a book on leadership, now's a good time to revisit that kind of material, Tim. Well, and, and you're, you're exactly right. I think to lead well, you, the whole saying, you know, if you're a leader, you're a learner, you, you gotta, you gotta be doing that. You know, I've discovered for me in the midst of all this, when the water's rougher, the walk with Jesus needs to be deeper and longer. And that's what settles my soul. That's the opposite of what you do in, in the physical world, you know, if the water's rushed, get out of the deep water, get in a shallow cove somewhere. But in my, my personal life, the settling of my own soul so that my identity in Christ isn't shaken, my calling to ministry isn't shaken, the rougher the water, the longer and deeper the walk with Jesus needs to be. And, and, and he settles it. Uh, yep. And sometimes that's through a godly friend, you know, that is a mentor like, your friend is 77 or, um, you know, the guy you're going to talk to this afternoon, you know, just the, the, um, sometimes the depth of their walk with Jesus is just calling you to walk a little deeper, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that, that, that provides just a little bit of inspiration to spend a little more time with the Lord and and take you to places you hadn't been before. Um, and, um, but I, I see a lot of our guys struggling with that, you know, struggling with that identity piece. It's just huge. And I think that's a, a big, big, thing during this time that's going to be, um, you know, I think it was Rainer that said 20% of pastors are going to drop out of ministry when this, by the time this is over. It's sad to hear. I hope that doesn't happen. Um, yeah, and just to speak to that, Tim, I do think, like, I, I've, ran, I've ran hard for three weeks. I, uh, the Montana thing was a great trip. It was bad timing. It was more of something I uh, – it was a family thing, not with my whole family. But I came back, and it's the worst time school starting back. Mm. Uh, and so I am I, – this is me raising my hand. I'm tapped. I'm at the end. I know that. And so I, I literally told my assistant to clear my schedule next week. I said, besides you guys, I said, you just got to clear it all because I've got, I know, I just know in my heart when I need to go, man, 
I just, I'm going to be here, but I'm not going to have things on me. I'm just going to be. And uh, you know what I mean? That, that I'm just thinking this to give yourself permission to go, dude, you, you just got to know. And so uh, I felt it. I've done a funeral. We just had a ton of different things, nothing. But I, I, I yesterday I called her at lunch and said, listen, I'm preaching Sunday. And then I am going on just, I'm here, I'm present, but, but I've got to get some me time. And by me time, I mean extended time beyond quiet and personal time with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Just to sit, not necessarily read a leadership book, just to sit and stare straight ahead uh, and sit and hear from God. And I think that's another thing in this, what you said, the rockier the water, the deeper it's got to go. And sometimes you've got to be more intentional about that than just a quiet time. Exactly right. And you know what? One of the things you said I think is incredibly important. I know we've gone a little bit long this, but I think it's incredibly important for our guys to hear. That is, you got to pay attention to your own soul. Oh, yeah. And when you get to those points, we're like, whew, man, I'm I'm spent. I'm not less of – I'm not less spiritual. I don't love Jesus less when I'm discouraged or when I get tired. I'm just human. Yeah. I think that's the thing. It's like, it's not that I'm not being a great pastor. It's not that my prayer life doesn't suffice. It's not that there's necessarily a sin issue in my life. It's called I'm human. And so uh, you just sometimes got to know your soul. And truthfully, Tim, for years I didn't, and I really had a bit of a bad, bad uh, battle with anxiety because I didn't understand my own soul. You know what I mean? And thank God he let me figure that out six years ago, or I probably would have jumped off a bridge in the middle of all this, you know what I mean? Yeah. Proverbial speaking into the water, not, you know, yeah. but uh, yeah, I think it matters. I, mean, I think it matters. You're exactly right. Now I, I was like that early in my life. I just ran through, you know, your life's dry as dirt in a desert and you just keep running because you think that's what you're supposed to do. And, um, but the whole expression running on empty, I did that a lot and that was just stupid. You know, you need to pay attention. Um, I, I wasn't too long ago. I was sitting in, sitting in the backyard in a chair, and I'd been out there for a couple hours. And my wife came out and she said, "So what are you doing?" And I said, "Nothing. I'm <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing." And, Tim, uh, I think I think being around people that encourage you. Like yesterday, my wife came out of quarantine. That was the first time that we were able to hug yesterday for 20 days. And I always tell her, like, mm. like where, whenever I'm with my wife, wherever we are, it feels like home. Mm. You know, we slept in the same bed last night like married folks should after sleeping on a, you know, a, a twin mattress on the floor in an office for X number of days. And I woke up this morning and felt like, I mean, just alive again. Felt like, you know, I'd slept like somebody hit me with a tranquilizer dart. And so being with our friends, pouring into our families, leading ourselves first, our families and then our ministry and never getting those things mixed up is so important. And it it does. It just speaks life into our soul and gives us emotional and uh, just uh, great leadership moving forward, the energy to do what God's calling us to do. Mm -hmm. Listen, I I, I appreciate you guys. And I, I know this is been a lot longer run on these on Thursdays than we planned on. And we'll, we'll kind of work on the schedule, you know, from here out. But I'm hearing so many times what it may be just one thing that's said that's been just fuel for someone's life and, and helped them. And so I appreciate uh, your input and wisdom. And today I appreciate you being on here, jumping in, giving us some just counsel and medical direction, just some wisdom in that. They're really, that's so helpful for us. Um, and but before we get off, I want us to I want us to just pray and um, um, 
Joel, I'm going to ask you if you just pray. Let's pray for our pastors and our church leaders in particular and just pray for God to work in them. Um, talking to one another, I think that's really good, and praying for one another is really a good thing. And uh, being, I think it, just encourage all of us to be intentional about praying for other pastors that we may know and then just text them and say, man, I'm, I'm just praying for you today. I'm just praying for you, God, to work in your heart and, and encourage you and um, – and I just, I think that's just going to be a real help during this season of time. Joel, you, you want to lead us in prayer? Yep, I'll do it. Father, we love you. Thank you for uh, the Georgia Baptist Convention and, and this, their willingness to pour into pastors around the state. Lord, and I pray for all the pastors on this call and the ones that aren't. Uh, help us to be encouraged through friendships, through our walk with you. Lord, uh, sometimes our soul can get really dry. And I just pray that uh, you'd feel it with your grace, your love, your word, your wisdom, your comfort, your guidance. And then, Lord, help us. You, you, Paul said, in the same way that we've been comforted, the way God's comforted us, we're to comfort others. And so help us seek out people who need some comfort and, and pour into them as well. Give us all wisdom. Give us all guidance as we navigate the waters ahead for one reason, so that the name of Jesus may be glorified and the gospel may be preached around our state and around our communities in Christ's name we pray amen amen all right guys thank, thank you so much we'll be posting the replay here within the next 24 hours or so don't forget we have a podcast version that's on the page uh gabaptist.org forward slash reboot so you can listen on audio if you want this was a great session randy said it uh fantastic value today very encouraged especially for you pastors and your own souls. Tim, thanks for leading us that direction and all you do for the convention as well. God bless. Have a great weekend, guys, and look for our follow-up email with some, with some links to some of this stuff. Y'all take care. Oh. Thanks.